Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk about the world of independence comics also known as independent comics when i'm not mispronouncing things and i am your host uh brian and with me as always are my the other two hosts carrie hello and richard hello hello, hello. Ahoy, ahoy. so <laughs> very big episode with some sad news so before we get to that news uh we'll have a quick uh ice breaking question uh which is do you have a a food that is mainly considered a side dish, maybe an appetizer, that you would be able to just basically make a meal out of? Yes. 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 Chips and dips. Chips, chips and dips. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very cool. Just any kind of chips and dip? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and it. And but very specific dips for very specific flavor chips. Okay. Um, I know it's like a grade, but like a, a couple of grades below nachos, which are always a meal for me. But I don't like meat on my chips and dips. Nice. Okay. So definitely. Oh God, now I want chips and dip. But yeah, that's <laughs> but I, I, I could I could survive off of just a chip yeah. and a dip combo every day for the rest of my life. Really Very nice. I've never been a fan of dips. Oh. Like I'll do like 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 if you got like a cheese fondue dip or something like that. Like you know, that's has a little bougie as hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm from Miami. It's a problem. Uh. All jokes aside, Carrie, um, so I come from a family, like, we didn't eat out growing up. Like, my mom cooked food, and mm-hmm. we'd have fast food, but, like, we didn't go to sit-down restaurants. My mom, I could not tell you the last time I was at a sit-down restaurant with my mother. Just not her thing. She thinks it's wasteful. She's like, you're being overcharged, okay, et cetera, fair. et cetera. Yeah. So that's not how I came We up. got McDonald's at home? Got it. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. exactly. But um, but no, 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 no. But we could do McDonald's. But like something that you would basically, if there's any place that you had the tip for service, my mom was like not here for that. That that's that so was funny. And then you're in that industry, so that's, right. So when yeah. when I ended up in that industry, when I first started working, like you know, people always offer you food at these jobs, yeah. and they're like, oh, you want something to eat? And I was be like, no, because I'm also getting way where I grew up is that like not that I I don't appreciate it, but I'm like. Hey man, as soon as I start taking something from you, you're gonna like lord it over me. Like you're gonna want something back. So I just don't mm-hmm. like taking stuff from people, even if it's completely innocent. I'm just like, oh. I'll be fine. See, you know, like that's just I not see. my my vibe. And like I've I went all the free better shit. with that. No, 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 no. I've gotten better. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Like I'm very much fuck capitalism now. Give me all the free shit. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but like yeah, I've gotten better that as I got older. But like once I got into that industry, I started eating out more. I'd go out, you know, with my coworkers, friends. Yeah, you're going out on dates. You're older. Then like I'm in South Florida, and then I just was like, hey, like yeah, like I like these restaurants that I go to that I can afford. But like. And these nice, these rich people are doing really nice, fancy shit, and I need to learn to partake in that sometimes because there's no reason for us to not like do fancy shit sometimes. Oh, that's so funny. So, so like my food taste, like, oh no, I love like trash food and like fast food or whatever. But like, also, it's like sometimes it's like, oh, that's really butch. I was like, oh yeah, that's where I eat because, oh, like about twelve, thirteen years ago, I made a decision that like, if these rich fuckers are having all this good shit, I too will partake in this good shit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. I. I think ideologically i agree with you but i'm a very casual person and i feel very out of place at really expensive restaurants uh, i feel like i don't 
I feel like I don't know like etiquette. I I eat. Oh no, fast. don't worry about that. I, um, anytime I worry about that, I'm like, I can afford to be here, and that is the only price of entry. Because <laughs> I I'm very I I'm very much not concerned about what you people like like what other people think of me and what they have going on. Like I'm here like I'm here doing the podcast with you guys. I mm-hmm. hope whoever listens enjoys the show, but. It's more important that you, the three of us enjoy making the show. Yeah, that's I what agree I'm here for. Yeah, absolutely. you know what I'm saying, and that's yeah. just kind of like my thing in life. So it's just like, oh yeah, like oh, I totally used the wrong fork or the wrong spoon or some shit. I do not care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm not okay. here to impress you because yeah. the barrier of entry is could I afford to be here and I can't. Oh, mm-hmm. but that's that funny. said, the 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 thing that I can live off like like it's an appetizer, any sort of a like a caprese, like any form of a little tomato cheese and balsamic vinegar whether it's mm-hmm. on a bruschetta or caprese you stick it in my veins like i can eat that 24 <laughs> hours a day 365 oh, like nice. all the other appetizer stuff like i love fried calamari but i feel like i couldn't eat it all the time whereas mm-hmm. the caprese thing i would enjoy it and like i wouldn't feel like it's not too it's never too heavy it's always delicious i can lie to myself mm-hmm. and tell me that it's tell myself it's healthy yeah. <laughs> it's like i eat a pound of cheese every day but it's healthy come on it's cheese and tomatoes it's, it got got vinegar in it it's good yeah. this it fruit vinegar's a fruit also <laughs> there you go sort of. <laughs> i don't know the dip it's another thing i've told you i think before with the cream thing like i don't like ranch like most dips yeah. i just don't like that's funny artichoke spinach dip that people are obsessed with never got into it yeah um and me uh, you know i like i like dips and yeah i I never really got into the artichoke and spinach i like artichokes and spinach by themselves i just never got into the the dip but i like like i like like salsa beans and like guacamole and all that shit like on oh i do like a good guac yeah 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 that's what i like yeah that's good stuff but sometimes i do like 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 an onion dip Mm-hmm. That's right. You hate. Yeah. So you like that's a whole part of the world that I don't do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brian. You know what you probably Brian. You do you do spicy? Oh yes, I try to at least. Um. So <laughs> my mom hasn't made this in forever. Uh-huh. Like like I remember from when I was a kid, but like they would like boil and season like a head of artichoke, mm-hmm. and then they would just rip it like rip the uh, palms off and just dip it in a hot sauce, and like oh. that was just like a snack and again when I was a little kid I couldn't do spicy I wasn't into it and like whatever the last few times she made it as I like started to tolerate spicy stuff it was amazing but I'm talking about when I say she hasn't made I this is something I don't think my mother's made in like 20 plus years mm-hmm. but like I remember it fairly vividly oh that sounds mm. so good it does sound really yeah, good like quick and simple but like yeah. really really yummy yeah that does sound really good <laughs> okay uh, what can you eat Brian um Mine is uh, steamed rice. Yes. Um, just steamed rice. Yes. Steamed white uh, rice. Plain by itself is fine. Um, I do like to put a tiny bit of soy sauce on it, but yeah, just I could eat steamed I mean, rice any meal, all the time. So when we were, so basically, anytime we go on vac- like vacation, Brian's go to for a big chunk of his meal is steamed white rice. Yeah. And it just so happens that I'll choose restaurants that are Japanese or are some <laughs> kind of Asian where I'm like, ooh, there's like uh, 40 different rolls of sushi for me to try. Perfect. Brian's like, yeah, I'll have miso soup and steamed white rice, but he ha- will have like yeah. a big ass bowl. Yeah. It's it's funny, but... It, 
it's a meal meal proportion of steamed rice yeah but yeah it's yeah that yeah i now i am of island people so i can always Mm -hmm. do some steamed rice at any Mm -hmm. point in time yeah Uh, my goddaughter at a point in time like i think she's an adult now but when she was like a teenager she almost ate rice exclusively like it was like becoming Mm -hmm. a health issue where we're like no you need to eat some protein please for the love (laughs) of god because all she wanted was steamed white rice like like you said yep it's so good and okay so not um not like caribbean island but pacific island i've been having a lot of spam and rice for uh for meals lately i've been wanting to try that i've seen spam i've heard tell of how great spam is like when you make dishes and like Mm -hmm. i've seen like you know how-to videos on the internet like again spam's another thing that it has to be close to 30 years since i've tasted spam yeah since i was a kid but no, some of these dishes look freaking amazing. So I imagine they're really good. So out here, and I i mean, like in our area, there's Hawaiian barbecue places all mm-hmm. over. So we get like spam musubi or like spam and eggs. And the big thing is like um, your sides are like homemade macaroni salad and steamed white rice. And and then you get it with like spam dishes it's yeah. so fucking good like we'll get it like I, I think we ate that for my birthday yeah like it was just oh, nice. so good it, yeah I was it was like, oh fuck was i love it the macaroni salad spam rice and then two fried eggs on top of it i'm like yeah i'm home uh, <laughs> yeah i don't i don't good. know if uh if hawaiian barbecue places are popular in any like outside of california but yeah. they're really good i mean i'm sure they're really good i've never seen one or around but i would definitely be down to try next time i'm in cali <laughs> yes yeah also um las vegas has a few because uh there's a there's a quite a large hawaiian population yeah and also um from the people from the philippines too yeah, philippines as well. yes. um, yeah. yeah it's a huge population yes. it's pretty cool olympia actually might be my second answer if i had a second answer Oh, if I had a second answer, it'd definitely be mac and cheese but i die because like yes. <laughs> your heart yes. will explode exactly okay so delicious i don't have one for a second answer oh shrimp cocktail shrimp cocktail yeah shrimp cocktail. that's your go-to oh fuck me that is so good yeah. those big ass prawn oh and my mouth is watering oh and a ton of lemon mm. mm-hmm. that is my another thing that never didn't grow up with it never appealed to me what I'm so strange. I, I know. I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry. I knew that that was gonna. We can't Karen. break bread. Right. You and I can't oh. go to a meal together. Of no course dips, we can. I'll have no some dips. out of respect oh, for you. It just—it's not know. something that's ever moved me. I can't afford the restaurants you can eat at. Oh, don't worry. They I, 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 really I would, cocktail there. I would just pay for you. It's fine. Oh shit. <laughs> okay, right. let's go. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I but. consider itself broken. Yes. So, Sorry, thank you for listening to um, comics and food deserve better. I told you before we started recording, we're a friendship podcast oh, now. No friendship. more comedy. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to be out here friending it up. And there you go. You know what makes friendship stronger? Death. Comics? So, oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I mean, it's a. I was trying to think of a good. Like, I know the same. I know. Never like, um, but I guess we'll go ahead and go get into our news section, which unfortunately is very is very death heavy. Uh, this episode, um, first is um, I'm going chronologically here. Um, Ian McGinty passed away, and uh, just 
real quick, if, you know, I'm sure you've seen his stuff. If you have, don't recognize the name, um, he did a lot of licensed things. Like he did, like he basically made like the Adventure Time comics and Invader Zim comics, all that stuff. Oh, okay, pretty popular. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And he has a very distinct art style, and then he was getting into his own stuff as well as like he like he had um, a bunch of scripts. Uh, ready to go and he was doing some character designs and everything like that and he died of um he says he, he had he died of natural causes he was only 38 years old so we don't know exactly what the natural causes were obviously and not gonna pry but um it's really sad but because he was so young and he had always been somebody that kind of got screwed over by the comics industry always worked really hard and to get you know far over the recognition that, that he deserved um the a hashtag on twitter started called comics broke me um and basically people started kind of talking about their negative experiences um uh, in the comic book industry especially like colorists saying that they never got paid enough um uh, ian mcginty also um had a story that zenoscope he did a story with them and um and they never paid him and like i don't think they ever published it either it was like he did but he did a full a full thing with them and unfortunately that's not uncommon yeah and so yeah it's just it's lots and lots of of tweets from from industry people talking about the dark side of comics and and everything and you know we've gotten into it a little bit before um with like action lab and stuff but yeah it's um it's really sad and and like at first when i was kind of reading it i was like um you know we're kind of piling on you know we're talking about you know all these other negative things because because um you know even Ginty passed away mm-hmm. but his mom chimed in and said yes please keep on talking about this he was worked to the bone and like always exhausted and always like you know like never got like the recognition he deserved like this is something that needs to be you know talked about and so got approval from his own mom to talk yeah. about it. so so yeah i i do think that it's really important um that we share stories like that i mean not not us like personally but like the collective we because i think that's how change gets started and changes get made and I think that's kind of why we talk about the kind of comics that we do because as humans we recognize the the passion and the dedication and and the talent and all the hard work that goes into the making of the comics and we try to um, talk about comics and artists that and writers that don't get that you know that quote-unquote like big big you know name push so Mm -hmm. and i i do think that and unfortunately like ian's passing kind of spurred this on but i do think it's it's why part of that is why we do what we do absolutely and i think it's, it's really important to keep talking about it and sharing their story because that's if if his mom is like getting on board with it um you know yeah that tells me that I have a feeling what the natural causes were, but yeah. you know, like uh, I, uh, that's a shame. And yes. I'm glad his mom is, is behind it. 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's it's sad. Great man once said, "Comics will break your heart." Man. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's it's it, it's work culture to like never talk about how much you make with your coworkers and never talk about like like this and that and and really like it's like oh you just don't want to be rude it's like no that 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 you know thing is placed in our thought thoughts in order for us to keep ourselves compartmentalized and think oh it's just me i'm the only person like oh and everyone makes you know the same amount as me or something like that and like you you know like mm-hmm. or everyone's working as hard as i am it's like no, like you might be working a lot harder for a lot less, and you would never know because you're you're socially not allowed to talk about mm-hmm. it with your other coworkers. And so, so yeah, it's just you know, talk about it, <laughs> talk talk about how much you make, talk about you know, find out and find out if like it's fair for other people or yourself. Definitely, because a lot of times it's not. As yep. lovers of capitalism, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, yeah. So we do love definitely. Um, all right. So second one, um, and you know, definitely not the least, but uh John Romita Sr. passed away at uh, 93 years old. Um he passed away in his sleep. It was uh tweeted by his uh son uh, John Romita Jr. And um I just laughed because I had to say his name, even though it was obvious who his son was. <laughs> um yeah, uh you know, it, he was 93 years old, and I mean... Excellent run, first and foremost. Yeah. Like, may we all be so lucky. Absolutely. And he had his facilities, like, his entire life. I mean, even in his... There were stories about him in his late 80s that, like, to thank somebody that did some work for him, he he did a, a quick sketch of Spider-Man and sent it to him. Oh. I mean, yeah, so, like... Also, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Classic... <laughs> You know, classy guy, and like, you know, like no one ever had anything bad to say about him. Right, so uh, man, he's one of these people that not a person has ever had a negative person word to say about him publicly. Exactly, everyone's yeah. like and, he's a perfect gentleman, and, and that's then, what you want out of people. Mm-hmm. And someone as high profile as he is in the comic book industry, you know, you would expect there to be some kind of dissent, and but he's just, it was just a great person. And like was always was always happy to like pull someone else up, you know, mm. and like pull them over, and it helped their career. So like, yeah, I mean, a stand up person. I'm I'm sure everyone listening knows who he is. Um, but yeah, basically, he's, he's the creator of like the Spider Man that we all know. Like exactly, Co and Stanley created Spider Man, but this is like a uh, Chris Claremont situation. The Spider Man that all. Everybody is riffing off a version of the the uh, Ramita Spider Man. Like we, it's really notable when someone does something that calls directly back to the Ditko Spider Man. But basically, everything since the 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 mid sixties is people playing off the version of Spider Man that Ramita drew and created. Wow, absolutely, that's awesome. Yeah, and and like their iconic covers, like the Spider Man No More cover, um, the Death of Green Goblin. I mean, there's just so many like amazing things that like mm-hmm. in my brain i never even thought about who created these these like covers because they were just spider-man this is the way mm-hmm. spider-man's supposed to look this is the way his world's supposed to look i didn't even think that there was someone drawing it that's like how synonymous his style and his work was with that character it was it was just spider-man it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't john Romita's spider-man it was just spider-man 
you know, so. Did I send you the clip from an interview where he was just, because, you know, he was the Daredevil artist before he was the Spider-Man artist. And he was just like, yeah. I didn't want to do Spider-Man. I just wanted to stay on Daredevil and just like <laughs> be in my own little corner of the universe. I yeah. thought you would appreciate that. I thought, I hope I sent it to you. I don't know. Yeah. Did it up, but yeah, but yeah, that's, that's hilarious. That's awesome. And, and it's like, you know, he got the call up and he knocked it out the park. Like, he's exactly. the reason why Spider-Man's a handsome dude instead of a nerd. He's the reason why that <laughs> every young lady that Spider-Man meets is, like, aggressively hot. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like, he even did the, fa- he did the face of Tiger. He hit the jackpot. He did, he yeah. did you know, Mary Jane. Aww. Like, yeah. So he, he drew romance comics before, mm-hmm. you know, he was doing superhero comics. So. Those expressive looks, those pretty faces. He, I mean, that was his bread and butter. Oh, yeah. okay, that's interesting. And I think that was he the one that like created the half Spider-Man face, half Peter Parker face for the Spider Sense. I think that was him too, as well. Um, possibly, I, I, I can't tell you that. Right, I just don't know for yeah. sure to confirm. But if he did, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, there's so much iconic stuff, especially like. With across the Spider Verse, you know, being the the amazing movie it is, and then like just thinking about like we wouldn't have that movie if it wasn't for Romita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. And uh, he also made a son who's pretty yeah. good at comics, and, <laughs> and also a I would say a, a prolific Spider Man artist as well. Oh yeah, like, no, definitely. no, no. He is the Spider Man artist of the two thousands at the very yeah, least. Definitely, JRJR. You love or hate him, but you know he's uh, he is also an icon. Definitely. It's very right. It's it's very blocky and it's not everyone's cup of tea, but yeah. it's iconic. Yeah. And definitely. it's unique. And you know, great runs on what Spider-Man, Daredevil, and X-Men. Like <laughs> <laughs> if you're not a legend with all that, I don't know what comic <laughs> legend. And the the Nocenti uh John Romita Jr. run is underrated. It, yeah. And this not a lot of people talk about it. And it got it went to some weird places. It happened during the uh, New Mutants Inferno run, mm-hmm. like you know. So there was a lot of like demon stuff going on. So, but you know, it, I've, I've always felt that that like people a lot of like a good segment of the people speak of that run in high regard. Like I feel like I hear about that run, the Bendis run, or I hear excuse me about Frank Miller, Bendis, Brew Baker, Mark Wade, and then that run. Yeah, absolutely. like those are the uh, the the main. You know, Daredevil runs that people that are Daredevil scholars always point to. <laughs> and you know how every every like Daredevil run, I mean, I guess it kind of goes with every comic book run in, in Marvel and DC. It seems like a writer will either create or gravitate towards a, a character as like a like a prominent side character or maybe like a prominent villain. And mm-hmm. um, you know, like Ben Ulrich was definitely or Urich, sorry. Uh, was definitely like Frank Miller's character, and like you know, and like uh, Kirsten Duffy was was Brubaker. Oh no, I'm sorry, Mark Wade's. And so like, um, Nocenti's run had um, a bad guy named Bullet that was just like a regular dude that was just big and burly, and he had like a son that he was kind of taking care of as well. And like he was basically not an evil guy; he was just doing what he needed to do for money, and um, and. Zadarsky actually brought him back and that, mm-hmm. it was like when I saw him in 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 the, the modern Daredevil I was like yay like this is a character like no one uses and this is awesome because he's, he's a cool character so cool. very happy to see it but yeah <laughs> that's just, uh... and that's our 
John Romita tribute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went on a full Daredevil tangent, yeah. but jokes aside, just John Romita, rest in peace. Just you know, Absolutely. peace and grace to his family. But like a true legend in, in in this medium that we love so much, and you know, probably even better, just a legend as a human being. Because like I said, not one person can find the bad things said about him. Definitely, which is pretty hard to do, especially nowadays. Uh, all right, so. See about things that doesn't seem to have a negative side to it. It's time for our DIY corner. There, that was a good second. <laughs> that was better. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, I think uh, I so I sent this link to uh, on our group chat, and I, Richard, I, I laughed, but what you said like this is like one of the few times where it's like the DIY corner has like instantaneously recognizable names <laughs> for you. And oh yeah, yeah. This this is on Zoop, and it's um, it's Stardust, the Super Wizard, uh, hardcover anthology. Uh, it is a beautiful hardcover anthology reviving Stardust, the Super Wizard, the weirdest Golden Age character. The project is spearheaded by writer and Stardust enthusiast Van Jensen, who has enlisted an all-star roster of creators to contribute stories, including Mike Allred, who supplies the cover artwork and an interior story, Francesca Francavilla, Pete Woods, Ron Mars, Xander Cannon, Cecil Castellucci, Jay Burrichell, Jesse Lonergan, or Lonergan uh, Jeff Parker, Tom Fowler, and dozens of others. I mean, that's a who's who. I mean, I I think my my reaction originally was like if I just saw a a uh, a Kickstarter or a or a Zoop that had just like Fantastic Francovia, Jesse Lonergan, or Mike Allred as the artist, I would instantly donate to it. But the fact that all three of them are on this is like, oh yeah, this is something to check out. I've never heard <laughs> of Stardust the Super Wizard, but I don't care. <laughs> this looks good. So so yeah. I will uh, definitely be uh, be donating, and I think you all should check it out and donate too if awesome. you have a chance, and if you're able to. I know it's kind of hard sometimes, especially nowadays too. But if you can uh, afford to miss a few cups of uh, of coffee in the month, you know maybe put that towards this uh, this project. Yep. All right, and like always, we'll have the link in the notes. Awesome, awesome. Yes. So, all right. Well, now. It is time for our spotlights, and uh, Richard, why don't you go first with your recommendation of the week? My spotlight this week is Chroma Number One that I just checked out by Lorenzo De Felici, and we got letters, and he's the creator, the writer, and the artist, and we got a uh, uh, letters by uh, Russ Wooten, mm-hmm. and. Surprise, surprise, Brian has already, you know, <laughs> spotlighted this book. But mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So we're gonna talk about it again. Yeah. So- Which is always <laughs> great. That's a that's a good compliment right there. You know, like it both of us thought the book was good enough to talk about. So here we go. So basically we uh open up to this very weird world where uh everything is gray and everything that's colorful is evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um we meet Zed, he's uh one of the maka. And basically, uh, they follow this man named Makavi, and he shows up looking like a horned demon man or something. Like, he looks really wild. <laughs> and basically, they're railing against the King of Colors. Apparently, in their past, there was a big war. And basically, the King of Colors, like, tried to exterminate everybody, but they were able to start uh, 
you know, basically fill, built a stronghold in this gray city. And basically they've eliminated all the color. Like they cover themselves in gray, like clay. And it's like affected, you know, through generations, like their, their color. So like everyone has like black eyes. No one has colored eyes. Everyone's gray. And they have captured like one of the uh, acolytes of the King of Colors. And it's like this monster. And it has a, you know, like a an animal skull. It's covered in bones and chains, and they have it an egg. And basically, every year in the ceremony, they released it and and rehunt it just to like stick it to the king of colors somehow. <laughs> so our main character Zet is he's a partaking in the hunt as one of the maka. Like he's making, they're basically like makabees. They're him and his friends are in training, but they're like you know like his apprentices or whatever. And when they catch the uh, the, the monster. They're, they don't kill it because they every time they recapture it and, you know, capture it again so they can hunt it again at the next ceremony. But uh, Zet gets too close and he sees the monster's eyes and it, it has, it's under the uh, skull, it's the face of a woman and, has, and she has blue eyes. And for whatever reason, it reminds him of his mother because his mother had like, they found a colorful bird and she kept it. Oh. And you know, yeah, and basically everything's spotty. So we get a behind the scenes look. Um, look, Makavi guy, the dude that looked like a demon, like it's all just a getup. Like it's clay and stuff to like mold his hair to, I don't know, make him seem like he has some sort of authority. Um, so basically, with this story, like Zet, just with this revelation and seeing the colors, I, like he can't, he can't sleep. Like it, it's keeping him restless. And he goes to where the monster's being captured. He, like, he bribes the guard with food. And he goes to see the monster. And he sees that she's just, like, a scared girl. But even she's bought into the propaganda. So she thinks she's evil for having colored eyes. Like, she's completely bought in. And essentially, he doesn't get the answers he, he's looking for. I think McAvee kind of gets his uh, vibe that uh, he's faltering. Uh, so they send him out in a hunt into the, the colorful world, which, Brian, when you're reading this, did you feel that I, at the beginning of the book, I felt it was all bullshit, like, like, like that the yeah. world wasn't that bad. <laughs> and like, it was just like propaganda stuff mm -hmm. to try to, you know, fuck with them and like, you know, make control of them. And then they went yeah. out to the real world. And I was like, oh, shit's kind of fucked out there. Like, yeah. I don't know about this king of colors, but like, it got like, there's giant three-eyed colored alligators or crocodiles or something. And yeah, they started tearing shit up and shit got real dark real quick. Mm -hmm. But uh, just to basically back of the, uh, Mac he he's not trusting Zed anymore, and Zed was supposed to be like the special one, the like the leader of his little tribe of Maka. And I guess they they keep tabs on him because he goes and visits the girl again, and he talks, and then basically he's like, "I'm gonna free you." He takes her to see colors, the to like the the highest peak of the city, so they can see over the wall and see the colors. And he's mm -hmm. just like, "Ever since I met you, nothing feels right. I'm gonna free you." And then he gets immediately impaled. <laughs> by, by a spear and that's the end of the first issue but no this book this book rocks like i really enjoyed it i can't wait to like i mean there it's completely it's completed already so i could pick them all up but i can't wait to finish it all up but yeah it's very interesting concept uh like i said i thought that at the beginning this was all that dude's propaganda so the fact that the the color world is as dangerous as he said it is is a uh, kind of a shocker to me but i really want to see how it shakes out
cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you hit the nail on the head right there because like th- there's a lot of expectations in a story like this, and and then like it, you know, even in the first issue, like you said, it just it kind of uh, you know does its own thing where you did not expect it to do what it did, and it's like, hey, that's awesome. More power to it because it's uh, yeah, and it happens. It happens later in the series as well, like where you're like absolutely at least me. I'm saying you, but I mean me. <laughs> I was absolutely certain where like the story was going, what kind of story this was, and then it just takes a few left turns here and there, and it's like, oh, this is completely different. This is like very original, and it's a lot of fun, and like the you know the character of Chroma, you know, I kind of expected her to be kind of like the the virginal, genial, like, you know, like, peace-loving, you know, outcast character that, you know, that, that you see, like, that trouble of a lot. And, no, she uh, has a, a a side to her that you, you find out pretty fast <laughs> about. So, cool. so yeah. Yeah, it, 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 she's a badass, is all I gotta say. And so, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I uh, I really liked it, and like the artwork is is phenomenal, um, and I, yeah, it it's just it was just really cool. The colors obviously pop because you know there's a lot of panels with no colors at all. So when you get colors, it's like vibrant. So it's mm-hmm. I love it. That's oh, and oh, and the use of colors, like he's not yeah. like. He um he's going through all of the palette. Like when there's a bird, like that bird has like 17 colors on it. It looks very pretty. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like he he bought a bunch of paints and he's like, oh, I'm gonna write a black and white story. Uh oh, what should I do with all this? Okay, well we'll just put it <laughs> we'll put it in the panels that were where it matters the most. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So definitely cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh uh, yeah, I love I think this might be the first time we've done um a repeat kickstart. Or not Kickstarter, oh my God, a repeat um, spotlight. Mm-hmm. But I'm more than happy that to do that because, I, like I said, to me it means that like you're not just getting one person talking about recommending it; you're getting, you know, like multiple people. And yeah, definitely, absolutely, oh, definitely the sign of a good book. Yeah, absolutely. And and that book and that book also like no one talks about it. I haven't heard anyone else talk about Chroma. So if you've read Chroma, email us. Let me know. Let, let us know how you what you thought about uh, it. Definitely, it's a book that mm-hmm. I think more people should read. Oh yeah, and everything about it is top notch. The art, the writing, everything, the colors, like I just said. Mm-hmm. But Brian, what are you spotlighting this week, my friend? Oh, speaking of colors, and also speaking about books that I feel that no one talks about that I think deserves to be <laughs> talked about. Um, one of the books I have this week is um from the series L's, which I've spoke about before. Um, it. E L L E, and then in parentheses is the letter S. It's basically a story about L, um, and she has uh, basically six different personalities um, in her inside her that all kind of come out. They take control at certain times, kind of like um, uh, Crazy Jane from Doom Patrol in that way, where each mm-hmm. like persona has their own their own like way they. The, the way that they deal with things uh with with l each persona is like a aspect of her personality like uh and each one each time that she changes um the person like the the character 
the way you know what character she is is the color of her hair. Um, okay. Like the main L that you deal with, um, like in the first uh, volume, is is has pink hair, and she's kind of like the easygoing, amicable, bubbly, fun L. Um, there is a green-haired L who doesn't speak, and she's kind of like the um, the damage uh, mitigator. Like like if there's if there's a problem or an issue, that's that's kind of her shell. That she goes into um and then that's that's why she doesn't speak and then like she's the protector essentially um then there's like a brunette um she's kind of afraid of everything and like has panic attacks blonde is is overly assertive <laughs> um and then um basically what had what happened in the story is uh oh and purple is kind of like the ditzy like kitty one as well but um, and then there's also a blue-haired um, character, or L, um, and she's basically the drama. <laughs> she's <laughs> she, you know, and and what she was causing the most problems, and you find out in the volume in the previous volumes that um, the pink-haired L and uh, green-haired L decided that blue was doing too much damage, and they basically imprisoned her. And so the first two volumes is about her escaping and basically taking over as a dominant personality and kind of just fucking everything up. And this story basically, uh, I I might have not said the, uh, the the byline of it, but it's L together because it's all of them working together. Because if it turns out there's another voice um, that's that calls itself the best friend of L. And it's in her conscious as well. So they all have to band together to find this other other voice and, and rescue them because they're because they're basically entrapped. And so this is that story internally. And like whenever they're internal, it's like it's a it's in a completely different world. Um, you know, like it, it, it's a vibrant landscape. Uh, there's like forests and deserts. It depends on where they're at. And um, and so her subconscious is just very much filled with like a fantasy world, like a Middle Earth, essentially. That's cool. And, and then, but in the real world, she has her friends and she has her own thing. Turns out she was adopted uh, at a young age. She found out only recently in the second volume and she meets her real mom. But turns out her real mom earlier in her life, um, when 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 Elle was a uh, was an infant, uh, tried to kidnap Elle. Um, so like her 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 adoptive parents never told her about the the um, her real Attempted mother kidnapping <laughs> because or or her real mother because of that situation, and and so like it's obviously there's a lot of drama, there's a lot of issues, and Elle's switching personalities, and so yeah, it's. It's a really interesting story. It's a really cool, like, you know, like coming of age story as well. And it, and I think, you know, the fact that we have like um, character, like personality tropes, like that are so defined by like different versions of the same character. Um, I think it makes it really easy and, you know, like the accepting of like our own, like different personality and different, different traits because like, because of how defined they are in L. So there's, you know, there, there's obviously um, something that happens with the with the best friend, but I won't get into it because I want you all to read it. Um, I think maybe after I get off my uh, my reckless kick, 
I might recommend <laughs> it. Like the the series, maybe the first volume. Um, but yeah, it's it it's really good. Um, it's from Europe Comics. Um, Ablaze is also um is also releasing it too. Uh, they just released volume two. Um, but if you're like me and can't wait for stuff, then you know go get digitally go go uh with the Europe uh versions because the Ablaze versions are physical only. So oh. very cool. And speaking nice. of physical only comics that are awesome and also very colorful, um, I have another one. It's an anthology that came out a couple weeks ago um, called The Color of Always, an LGBTQIA plus love anthology. It's edited by Brent Fisher and Michelle Abounder, and it was published by A Wave Blue World. And it's an anthology. Yes, we all know what an anthology is. Um, they can be hit and miss, um, depending on what creators that they have and what their subject is and everything. But this subject is basically about love, acceptance, and finding out who you are. And and the artwork and the stories, they're all various styles, various you know themes. Um, so many different creators on this that uh, some of my I had not heard of until I started reading this, but I'm I'm following them all now on Instagram because they're all amazing. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, there's some there's some stories in here that literally got me choked up and, and started like tearing up just uh-huh. reading it. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, and uh, the cover and there's also a story done by um, Ilsa Ramboli. Uh, or sorry, Elisa Ramboli, uh, who um is like did like um uh Alice in Leatherland and um the uh the, the least we can do, all those books as well. So so mm. the art's great. Uh when I, I ordered mine online and it got sent to me by the publisher, the publisher um put a little post-it note that thanked me for for ordering and ordering the book. I got a I got a free bookmark, which was pretty cool, which I gave to Carrie because she's the reader of real books. <laughs> and um I can't put, I can't put a bookmark in my uh in my tablet, unfortunately. And uh so she got the bookmark. And then also um the editor um uh, named Tyler also did a quick little sketch of one of the characters in um and so yeah it's a lot of love is put into this. Um uh Brent Fisher is kind of like a social media comics person uh goes by uh carol collector on instagram uh i had followed them before that's actually how i found out about the book was coming out was was through them and um yeah did a really good job editing he wrote he wrote a story so did michelle bounder who also um was the other editor of this um yeah there's nothing bad i can really say about this this is great and for someone who loves digital comics because of the space that they take up in their lives which is none um this is definitely worth the the little space i had to give it (laughs) you know and plus more awesome yeah it's really cool it's really pretty yeah it's it's really pretty um it's very colorful um i love just all the mixture of styles you know and like I know like DC Marvel, they do, they do like pride anthologies every year and they're great, but you can kind of tell that they all have like, you know, a purpose, um, like a specific style that's, that they need to reach and specific, specific purpose that they have to give this. I feel like, yes, there is a specific purpose to this, but they were given a lot more freedom, I think, because also they don't have to write about Batwoman. And they don't have to write about America. Um, you know, they, they can write about their own characters. So 
yeah it's yeah. a lot more of an authentic story exactly. i think to tell so so yeah definitely and it's pride month so it's a good time to uh to pick it up so being that it's pride month i've said it before i'll say this again it's just good that books like this exist mm-hmm. i don't understand the world that we live in where people are like no you're not allowed to have books about things that i don't agree with yeah. it's awesome i remember mm-hmm. being young and the uh, gay people that like were young with me they had nothing and mm-hmm. now you know you have books like this and that's awesome yep yep i totally Absolutely. love it yeah so big big recommend um we'll put the link to uh the publisher so i think that's probably the easiest way i know i know some comic book com- um stores are carrying it but if you're like me that don't maybe not have an lcs near you and uh prefers you know doing everything online so you don't have to talk to real people um, yeah. you can also the way to do it put down the um it's like a catch-all basically like a catch-all website for like independent bookstores mm-hmm. so that way like if there's an independent bookstore near you you can order books through their website or through them they get the credit for the sale you get mm-hmm. the book shipped to you you're supporting local um businesses as opposed to like you know trying to find it somewhere else yep. so always a good thing yeah, amazon has far too much money as is yeah i know i Absolutely. hate it we live, but i also need amazon yeah which no, is no 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 we all use it but like just bullshit. whenever you whenever you cannot do that yeah absolutely please do. yeah definitely all right well very guess, cool yeah very i think yeah definitely check it out um i can't segue off myself apparently no sorry i'm i'm low energy today because yeah. i'm sleepy yeah we um this episode is has been delayed we had an impromptu road trip to do and um came back kind of late we found... had to go to vegas yes. and we had to stay an extra night because i <laughs> oh, had well, yeah. to you, gamble when... Yeah, when, when you have to do something, it's responsibility. You you were responsible Absolutely. for that gambling care. I was. I was. <laughs> well, I guess the responsible thing to do is to start talking about our main subject yes. then. Which let's do go. it. Thank you, Richard. You helped me with that segue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, which uh, so this, this oh, week since I'm in the spotlight for the main subject. So I, I if you listen to the program you would know that up until recently, both of my professional sports teams locally were in the finals. Mm. And it was awesome. And then they lost, which was a lot less awesome. The hockey team, my Florida Panthers, lost to Brian's Vegas Golden Knights. So congratulations <laughs> to Brian. Which might be they one of the reasons why we, why we were in Vegas. <laughs> to watch very, very good reason. <laughs> but that said, um, as much as I like those playoffs, like, I've never had, and I don't know how many people have had both of their teams like locally, like, you know, advancing so far in the playoffs. And that was fun. And these are memories I will perish for a generation. However, it was <laughs> exhausting. And <laughs> this week, I was just like, I want something light and fun to read. Mm-hmm. So I picked Bone, Volume 2. We covered Volume 1 in the previous season. This is The Great Cow Race by Jeff Smith. And... Boy, did it scratch the itch I needed because it was light and fun and relaxing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's so, so uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, we just tried something new. I read the uh, the uh, more recent colored versions. I think Carrie and I and Brian read the uh, original black and white version just so we get a little contrast in uh, 
in the styles. Yep. But uh, we open up to the spring fair. Uh, it's a uh, Thorn and Bo uh, and Phone Bone hanging out, and Phone Bone is so smitten, but he <laughs> is not good at words. And <laughs> Thorn just thinks he's her little buddy, <laughs> and basically <laughs> she meets a young man named Tom, flirts all in Phone Bone's face, and just breaks his heart. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then when Phobo's like, hey, let's walk around the fair together, she's like, oh, I'm going to walk around with Tom because, you know, it, that's how that's how it is for nice guys sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But before we, like, jump into spoiler territory, that's the setup for this. But the, the main event of Spring Fair is the Great Cow Race, which uh, Grandma Ben, uh, Thorne's grandmother, who's taken the bones in after, you know, they got kicked out of Boneville and uh, kind of fucked up the town, or at least fucked up the tavern and uh trying to with a phony trying to run a scam so she usually wins the cow race and she just jogs against real life cows <laughs> i i don't know why this race is a thing but it's neat and yeah. the uh main conflict in this uh specific uh volume of our bone is that phony has decided to one take action on the cow race but of course, everyone wants to uh, bid, uh, bet on Grandma Ben because she wins every year. So he has thrown in the variable of a mystery cow, a mystery cow that no one's seen. But basically, he gets everybody uh, so riled up about how great the mystery cow is. His plan is to have them all bet on the mystery cow and then he's going to bet on Grandma Ben and win all their stuff because they don't have money in this town. No. Fody's kind of even worse than that. He wants everyone's property. They're so they're betting their cows, their chickens, their 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 uh, farming equipment. That's what he gets off on ruining people's life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the setup. Uh, let me ask, how'd you guys like it? I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was so good. Yeah, the, it's, it's it's so light and fun. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's such like a a great like all ages story that can be enjoyed literally by all ages and i mean there's something I, for everyone i think we talked about this when we covered volume or book one where we were like oh it's got you know that classic looney tunes cartoon vibe to it and yeah. so like mm -hmm. anybody that grew up or is nostalgic for that it's a really comfortable read mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel like out of place it doesn't feel like you don't know what's going on because it's been a while since between reading the first book and then this book but immediately I was like right back in it I'm like oh okay I know yeah. exactly who these people are and like what they're doing so it does a very good job like you know kind of reminding you without like exposition dumping what happened in the first volume yeah so previously that's... in both yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Which... and it was super cute I love Thorn um yeah. Brian and I got into a, a heated debate about um thorn's uh will willingness to go with tom after he was rude to her yeah, i was like um why, why was she i don't get it but and so uh you know i told you know i was explaining to brian that you know she's just a young person and she's looking for attention yeah. and uh phone bone isn't um stepping up his game like he needs to mm -hmm. and so she doesn't realize no one's going to know you like them if you're not telling them and being and don't be subtle. Just yeah. be honest and then t 
take their answer and then Wait, no. you with it. Yeah. The, 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 these women don't know that when I'm obnoxiously polite that I'm like badly in love with them. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You need to, <laughs> people like to know when they're liked exactly. and then they can make their own decision. And, and also great word of advice when, if someone says no, that's the answer. Yeah. Move on. Knows the answer. Yeah. Knows, keep on trying shit. Just knows the answer and move on. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a really you were right this is a really perfect read for kind of you know yeah being when I you're kind of out of sorts or tired or anything this is really really nice yeah and, it's a really good uh palate cleanser mm-hmm. and it was very um very easy to read the i love the lettering uh the lettering is very um to use a richard term evocative like it's just really good um it it makes the emotions read well in the lettering um i think the artwork is fabulous i love i love the bone cousins i think they're adorable now mm. they're from boneville but what exactly are they uh, they're yeah, bones that, yeah yeah I mean, they're just like little creatures right yeah exactly yeah. like and what i love about it is like the juxtaposition of, of like the bone characters and like the rest of the world because the rest of the world has kind of like they're all cartoonisty, you mm-hmm. know, kind of style, but they have a little more realistic look to them. Yes. And then the bones are like, like Richard said, like straight out of Looney Tunes, like style, like look to them. And so, I mean, even like Smiley Bone with like the cigar and the hat, yeah, it's like yeah. vaudeville era, like that Looney Tunes Bugs like, Bunny from. vibe, yeah. yeah. So like, uh, did anyone notice the chiseled abs on top? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Like Tom, Tom's uh, bringing the high heat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good for good for Tom. One of my one of my notes actually was: Does Tom own a shirt? <laughs> Why would you with abs like that? Yeah, there's no need. That's true because we do get you get two days of Tom and Tom is Tom is shirtless. I guess that's day. how you sell the honey. Is like you. Hey, you become, it you seems like it seems like uh, it's a nice uh, tempered climate there. He has yeah. amazing abs. <laughs> Ain't no need, man. Might as well. But okay, whenever I see some like a guy shirtless, I'm always like, ew, do they smell like BO? That's the <laughs> first thing I think of. Because I think, really? oh, yeah, because I think when I see a shirtless guy out in public, I'm like, oh, he's hot. That's why his shirt's off. And then I'm like, ew, how sweaty. Because armpit hair traps smell. Yeah. So I always think they smell like BO. So I think we're, <laughs> I think I don't know we're, we're in spoilers, right? Yeah, we're yeah. definitely into spoilers. I'm I mean, talking about Tom's BO, so yeah, yeah we're into it. <laughs> and I, I guess this is not fully spoilery, but like um, the way Tom is drawn and the way and what he's wearing, you know, being shirtless and he has like kind of a straw hat on. I think he even has like a piece of straw. Uh-huh. Oh, he's very Tom Sawyer. I would say he's like, like Tom Sawyer. He's hot, hot teenage Tom Sawyer. Yeah, e- exactly. And and um, and and it's funny too because then. When she, when he shows up to the fair with another woman or a girl, um, she is her name is Jasmine, and she's very much looks, Princess Jasmine. She's definitely yeah. Princess Jasmine for Aladdin, which is funny because I think one of the first publishers in the early '90s of Bone was Disney Adventures Magazine. Mm. Um, that's how actually I was introduced to the, oh. to the series in the first place. I was too young. I think I was too young. Well, l- let me rephrase that. I was too ADHD to fully get into Bone, and so um, so I I never got into it as a kid. Um, but I do specifically remember that Bone was like 
a monthly anthology in in the Disney Adventures magazine. If anyone remembers that from the nineties, uh, no, absolutely. So so um, so and yeah. I mean, I like Thor. Thor's a lovely young lady. Thorn is the best because, like, however, however, Tom made the right call. Yeah, yeah, if that young lady's like, Hey, I need you to walk me around the fair, then you, you have to walk her around the fair. Yeah, <laughs> well, she's got a giant tiger, and if, if you don't walk around the fair, fair the, the tiger's gonna, gonna eat you. This is true, also true. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, and she, she, and you know, also maybe uh, Thorne isn't showing enough of Fletch because she's like wearing a midriff, and you know, maybe that's just more shirtless Tom's uh, vibe. Yep, exactly. Oh, that's belly true. buttons. You know, he, he gives belly, belly, right, button. right, belly buttons exposed. He wants to receive belly button. <laughs> I um, I thought it was really, really cute. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens, but since we're on the Tom, uh, I'm sorry, the Thorne subject. Um, phone bone gets advice to um write poetry to woo thorn and what he writes is i may have a big nose and i may be goofy looking but i i really like you a lot love your secret admirer yeah Yeah, like who else could it be well you didn't want him to be subtle carrie there you go i know but but it was really cute i just thought it was funny I, no, it's very cute. I think what was really cool about this is how um, you, the characters are progressively getting more multifaceted as we go along. Because like Phone Bone, like we're we're made to love Phone Bone from the beginning, and he, you know, because of the whole jealousy thing, he shows a side of him that's not as lovable because he gets very jealous and he gets very confrontational with Tom. Um, just and, and because he gets very like machismo. Yeah, exactly. And so it was kind of cool to see, like, you know, a character like him, you know, kind of just like show kind of a little bit more of a dark side as well, you know, that he's not all hugs and rainbows all the time. No, but that was very normal to me. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Is that, okay, is that okay. because like a, a right, yeah. right, like before he was just kind of like this car, like 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 a cartoon like cutesy, character. Like, he was yeah. one note, right? Oh, he's one okay. note. He's cutesy, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is a whole different aspect of that character. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um. Um. So as far as like the rest of the plot, because um, there are <laughs> some big spoilers in here, probably like we we got into Tom's abs and we didn't want to leave. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to leave? But, but, so essentially, what ends up happening is that Phony's running a scam where Smiley is gonna dress up in like this really shitty costume as the mystery cow, <laughs> and he's gonna start off the race strong. And basically fall back to the pack and lose to Grandma Bed Rose, and uh, basically in that way, uh, Phony can win all their stuff and basically become the richest uh, person in this town. The way that he was the richest person in Bowville, it's a pretty, pretty actually good plan. But what ends up happening is that you know, as Grandma Bed is around town, she hears that no one's you know betting on her, and she is like you know kind of down in the dump. So she talks to Lucis, the uh, barkeep, the, the bar owner, because mm-hmm. both uh, Phony and Smiley work at uh, the bar because they wrecked it in our last volume. They, they're basically indentured servants at the bar. <laughs> it's yeah. not great. But the thing is, is that Smiley is actually really good at cooking and really good at customer service. So <laughs> yep. kind of in the right spot. And then Solucius catches this and he's like, 
first he kind of asks all the people that are going to bet on the mystery cow, have they seen the mystery cow? And one of my, it's one of the funner parts in the story is that basically they're like, they threaten phony. They're like, hey, you guys show us this mystery cow or we're going to murder you. And so he's like, all right, give me an hour or so. And he basically sets up a shack where the mystery cow is in. He has uh, Smiley in there making so much noise and rambunction that there are people are like, oh my God, this cow's so hostile. One, it's definitely going to win. But two, we're too terrified, so we don't have to see it right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I thought was a great plan. Yep, definitely. And uh, on, bo- on on phone boat side of things, the whole crux of uh, uh, the uh, issue with Tom is Tom was selling honey. And when he goes full machismo mode, he's like, I'm going to go get my own honey, which apparently the the uh, bees in this world are gigantic and getting honey is super dangerous. But like <laughs> he takes his licks, but he does end up doing it. But by the time he does, the thorns all in like Tom's arms and, you know, it's just it's just an L for him. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest spoiler of this is, uh, of this uh, volume is that that night. Uh, Thorn has a dream and then she wakes phone bone up to tell her about the dream and in the dream basically she's abandoned in a cave by her mother because like her mother and her mother's people all of them are being hunted and mm-hmm. she's left with the dragon that not everyone sees but you know phone bone is adamant that he sees as I was reading this did we discuss it in the uh, last time we talked about this I've never seen a design like this he's like an aardvark dra- yeah. dragon yeah, yeah, we, we, I remember us talking about that before too. Yeah, he looks like a a big, like terrier puppy. Like, like he, you know, he's a big dog. Is yeah, is I'm getting, you know, which you definitely, you know, except for maybe like Falcor from Neverending Story. You know, you don't really get like a lot of dog dragons. Yeah. So, so yeah. Oh yeah, that's a great yeah, that's a great call, Falcor. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yes, so. She wakes Phone Bone up to tell her about this dream, and she tells him that she's basically been having this dream as long as she can remember. She doesn't have it regularly, and like she really can't always piece it together. But now she's like she's had it in such a vivid manner that she's like she feels that it's real. And the map that uh Phony thought was a treasure map that they found in Volume One, she's like, I drew this map. I and, and Thor can't quite remember why, but she's like certain and adamant that she drew drew this map. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically the, she's like I'm going to go back to bed they say forget it and it's the day of the actual race so now stakes are high uh, Fody has everything set up for his scam but Lucius is just I guess he's around them too much and he's he's wise to their game so what he decides to do is that he also bets the deed to his bar on Grandma Ben which is an issue because Phony has zero collateral. He has zero. He has nothing to pay any of these bets out. He's just the grifter, which I don't like that he's the dear grifter because we live in the air age of grifters right now, and it's really, really bad. So, so the fact that I like him and he's a grifter kind of irks me. <laughs> but multifaceted. So uh, yeah. yeah, but it's uh, it's just we live in the worst worst timeline right now. Oh, right? I mean, I guess there's worse timelines, but it's pretty bad here. Um, so when Phobone is out here trying to write his poetry to woo Thor away from Tom, even though at this point Tom's already shown his true colors and Tom, and Thor feels parts embarrassed and uninterested. But since um Phobone is out in the forest solo dolo, he does get accosted by the rat creatures again, who quickly capture him <laughs> and are 
they're going to eat him. You, they're supposed to bring him back to their leader, King Doc, but like one of them's like, fuck that. <laughs> He's like, it's our catch, it's our kill, we're gonna eat. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the other one's and, like, let's make her let's make him into a quiche. I love yes, the, yes, yes. I do love the running gag. gag about the key, the, the, the quiche. Yeah. So uh foam boat is able to basically uh, escape their clutches. Then he gets some help from the uh the uh possums that you know he helped did he 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 didn't help birth them but he definitely helped raise them in the uh, first volume yeah yeah he was basically their babysitter when, when whenever the mom was away so yeah they, right. they, they love him they, <laughs> and like they would hang on him all everything in the first volume so so yeah they're definitely friends so at this moment the uh cow race is getting started and phony first of all tells uh smiley that he has to win because he he can't pay back the bets for 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 for, for on, on the uh, deed of the uh, bar that uh, Lucius put up, and then secondly he gets into the costume with Smiley, so they're all running the race <laughs> together. But uh, when 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 Phone Boat escapes, it basically uh, alerted all the other rat creatures, so he's being chased by a horde of rat creatures. They collide with the cow race, and in the jumble and all the craziness. Grandma Ben figures out how to win the race. (laughs) (laughs) And she just kind of keeps persevering. Uh Mm Uh-huh. So what we finally find is that uh, Grandma Ben, she's going back to the house that got, you know, attacked in uh, volume one by the rat creatures. And Lucius is going with her because, you know, in case they come back. And what we find out at the end of the story is that Grandma Ben and Lucius know more than they give up because Grandma Ben tells Lucius that the dragon's back after all of them, you know, kind of behaved as if, nah, there's no dragon. And they they definitely know much more than they're letting on. Yep. And that's basically this volume. And it was excellent. And it was the greatest palate cleanser yes. after a very difficult time. Like, like, you know, Brian's team didn't just beat my team. They bludgeoned my team. It was very, <laughs> very upsetting. <laughs> very, it was very embarrassing and, and upsetting. And I'm holding Brian accountable for this because it's his oh, fault. Oh, you you absolutely should because um I congratulated him like he scored the nine goals in the game. <laughs> what, what did I tell you? And it it was ninety percent Brian, ten percent the actual. Yeah, team. it was because I was rooting for them as well. <laughs> they won ninety percent of it. Definitely. It was uh it was pretty good. Yeah. Um. Oh man, that was crazy. But the um, the book's excellent. Uh, like and Richard, you read the colored version, correct? Yes. Okay, so we read the black and white one, and um, I'm curious to know what the differences are. Like, um, I mean, the colors pop off the screen. Like, I haven't checked out the black and white one. Like, but I, uh-huh. I honestly, I know that it's originally black and white, but I almost can't imagine it because the color does so much work here. And, and I mean. It's a comic, of course, but it almost, you know, it feels so much like a, a living cartoon, like, or yeah. you're reading through a cartoon. Yeah. You know, the colors are so vibrant. They use good use of shadows since they're in the forest. I think also the colors, like stuff that they're able to do with the eyes, like when the uh, rat creatures in the sh- are in the shadows, it makes them seem so much more menacing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they're like, they're red eyes, right? Yeah, they have red yeah. eyes. And they're just like solid eyes, too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, in the in the so, um, I think this is one of those situations, and it doesn't happen often, where I would say like both versions are are definitely equal to each other, because the line work 
I think in the black and white version pops more than the color version. Like you can, you mm-hmm. see the lines and the shading and everything a lot more, obviously, because that's that's all that that is there on the page, and um, and it's beautiful in its own right in black and white. Um, the inking's great. Um, it's it, it definitely is still like it, very expressive, and but then like with the colors, as you said, are they pop and like. And like, yeah, I didn't even think about the red eyes of the the rat creatures when I was reading this. I was like, yeah, that I can picture in my head how that would look in color. And like, yeah, that's that sounds pretty badass. Um, but so yeah, um, just get your hands on it. Is <laughs> I guess I guess my personal take on this is like it doesn't matter what if it's the black and white or color version, you know, like get, get yeah, read it. <laughs> it. It'll be good. Um, I mean, I'm sure as this our little show goes on. I mean, I'll probably, one of us will probably revisit the next volume and the next until, you know, we work our way through Bone, but it's really fun. I know that uh, after the last deal fall, fell apart, Jeff Smith was like, he kind of vowed that he's not going to go through the work and the heartbreak of trying to get yeah. another Bone cartoon on the air. But mm-hmm. like, it seems like something that so deserves to be animated. Like, it it would work if you leaned in and made it more adult for like adult swim thing or it would work if you just made it a kid's show like it it fits the tone and tenor of both very well but i just yeah. enjoy it so much i'm like all these characters deserve to be in like full motion i i could see it being you know speaking of disney like i could see it being pixar i could see them oh yeah like, yeah a, like a CG. fantastic job with this mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, like the, with because like it's fun and it's also heartfelt. It's it's for it's for the four year old. It's for the forty year old. It's you know it's 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 pleasing. It's crowd pleasing, and it's but yet it also has substance. And that's oh, yeah. a lot of Pixar stuff is like that. So you know, um, I can totally see them doing doing that and then making me ball my eyes out while watching. Them bone Uh, and one thing i like about it uh to the question that carrie asked earlier is like oh what are Mm -hmm. the bones i like how it just kind of presents stuff and it doesn't over explain it it's just kind of like this is the universe that we're in exactly you know so many times we've you know as fans of like comic book movies i mean like they've gotten better in recent years but like you know 10 15 years ago one of the things is like hey we don't need to see batman's origin again like we all know it but like you know there's there's so much like telling and exposition and so much stuff and it's just like hey man bone you just jump into the world the world's weird accept it and then you just kind of take everything as it comes it's very fun that way exactly like yeah we don't need the origins of the rat creatures we don't need the origins of the bones right. but, I, but <laughs> yeah. I do yeah well maybe Gosh, I do. I do. i'm just <laughs> but, joking yeah. um so quick question uh-huh smiley mm-hmm. because smiley to me is is mo is the most classic like looney tune type character Okay. Um, to me, and so therefore, my question is, you know, and also very much Marx Brothers esque too, because okay, and and I'm guessing that's where the trope came from. He's essentially from. like Art Carney, right? Like the yeah. is like part of his design. Yes, absolutely. And um, and so my question is, is he, you know, obviously he comes off as the dumb character, but mm-hmm. to me, I, I honestly feel like he's a lot smarter than he lets on. Oh, yeah, And then he just kind of plays the crutch of being dumb to get away with stuff, but, like, yet, like, he's, I think he's, like, one of the most intelligent characters in the story. In one of the, um, the first pages, and one of the first panels that we see, um, Smiley, because he's in the kitchen cooking, Yeah. 
phonies telling him something and he was like oh stupid like why why don't you you know why did you say that and that he has this really eloquent response yeah about how sometimes he needs like like his perception is off if he doesn't also have like a verbal cue i'm not saying that's yeah. like word for word but it's something along those lines where it's really like oh shit like he the way he said it was really wonderful exactly. and i'm like oh he's a, he's much smarter then um he's he comes off that he could just be just as dumb or and aloof as he appears to be or it's like he's so he has it so figured out that like this other stuff he's not stressing over because like he's just like i just yeah. kind of want this like weird laissez-faire life <laughs> it's exactly. not that i don't get it but like if i just act like i don't get it i don't have to deal with the stressors of a lot of things yeah it just kind of just put everything to the side and just live your life essentially you just have fun you know, which is a pretty ingenious thing if that's what's happening there. I I love, okay, so I, I love the fact in the story when I'm reading it, I don't want Phony to win, like, and I want Grandma to win, but the way the build-up in the story is, is that that if Grandma wins, Phony wins. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, like like, 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 who, what, like, who do I root for in this situation? Because, because I, because, like, the two people that one person I want to lose and person I want to win, you know, they both win or they both lose. And then throwing Lucius in there, basically saying that, um, you know, he bet, puts the farm or puts the bar on, uh, on grandma Ben didn't automatically changes that. So that now grandma can win and, <laughs> and phony loses. And so I was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. Like, and then that to be like, it's like really expert storytelling. Cause it's like, you know, yeah, you resolved it for me. Like, yeah, the good guys win, the bad guys lose. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's awesome. You know, I the really end. wanted the uh, the uh, I really wanted the uh, one rat creature that really wanted the quiche to win because yeah. <laughs> I don't even love quiche like that. But I loved like you ever had a craving for something and you're just like, yeah, yeah, but I just want that one thing. <laughs> Especially when 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 the other rat creature brings eggs and he's like, you know what, you know what you can make out of eggs. He's like, don't say quiche. Yeah. So uh but um speaking about like expressions also when the rat creatures and the cows like run into each other, the looks on everyone's faces is like what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. There's so much chaos in that scene and like and you can see in everyone's faces that no one knows what the hell's going on. Yeah. And like and it's very express you know, it's very expressive. It's just really cool to see you know i like, Absolutely. I, love I, I also love uh, the way it's drawn uh grandma ben's sense of accomplishment when she wins the race again <laughs> she's just like uh-huh. and she's like well that was the funnest race ever it was like utter chaos yeah yeah exactly i think i think she thrives on she's the super chaos. cute yeah um and um also like you know like like there is like that realism but then like the bones are you know kind of more the cartoony characters and then the part where lucius bets the bar and says it's on gonna be on grandma ben um like phony's jaw drops all the like you know mm-hmm. like classic cartoons and so like yeah i i can see why he has the realistic characters and he has the cartoon characters and he uses both of them very well mm-hmm. and so it's pretty cool um i think that might be everything on my list um yeah i mean I, you know there's not really much to be said like it's yeah. a classic mm-hmm. really good book i'm really enjoying reading it and just if you're stressed out if you just want something fun this is the perfect palate cleanser i mean 
uh, I know if you have Comixology Unlimited, at least the first volume is uh, mm -hmm. on Unlimited. But yeah, it's, it's just a fun time. And it's fun and relaxed. The characters are great. And there's like an underlining, like a clandestine story going on with these dragons underneath. So you have that mm -hmm. to look forward to. The, the version I have is the the complete volume or complete series in one volume. Mm -hmm. And that goes on sale quite often, usually during Christmas time. So, oh, nice. so you can get it relatively cheap, like, you know, between 10 and $15 for over a thousand pages of goodness. I mean, that's a deal. So, so yeah, that, that might be the way to get it. If you want to, um, if you want to pick up the series. So, yeah. My yeah. final thoughts? Oh, final thoughts? really yeah. worth reading. Absolutely. <laughs> really worth reading. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You too, Carrie? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. That's... Pick it up if you can. Yeah, and uh, I agree. Oh, I hated it. No. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was great. Um, all right. So I guess well, I guess that's it then, Yeah, right? it's, it's it. Yeah. So uh, now that we've come to the end of the show, thank you to everyone listening today. Um. If you enjoyed us, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Good Pods at CDB Pod. For our book clubbers, on Friday, we'll announce the next episode's main subject on Instagram, so you too can follow along. If you want to join in on our conversation, email us at comicsdeservebetter at gmail.com. <laughs> and, uh, oh, really quick, a uh, shout out to the listener who liked the um, Alejandra Guzman a yeah. song picked for um the the pull list. The pull list. So yes. good good job catching her. And um Richard, where can we find you on the internet? Um I'm at Topcat360 all over social media. We're in the uh, sad part of the year where there's only baseball. However, <laughs> One Piece, the anime is really heating up. They're getting to the end of the arc. Uh Basically, this uh, story arc, when it was in the manga, it took four years. <laughs> and I mean, in, in real terms, like it started in 2018 and it ended last summer. And uh, so now they're animating all that. And you're going to see the main character, Luffy's uh, next transformation, this final big climactic battle. So I think like through the month of June and July, they're going to be, you know, animating the end of this like long epic story arc. People on the internet have been going and staying week by week. And, you know, that's probably going to be a lot of my focus since we don't have uh, any of my favorite sports going on this summer. And the saddest <laughs> part is that when I was a kid and I first fell in love with sports, baseball was my favorite sport. And I feel like everybody yeah. in my age range in the, uh, the 30s, 40s has a similar story that they grew yeah. up loving baseball and now they do not care. No, and like yes, it's improved this season, but yeah, still. Um, uh, yeah, no, no, no. They they've made a lot of quality of life improvements this season, and it's very interesting. Yeah. My team, the Florida Marlins, are actually really good this year. They have uh, one of their players is batting four hundred, which is if you insane. were to finish the season that way, it hasn't happened since like Ted Williams. Um, I think at, right after he came back from World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> Man. That's so, but yeah, like there's a lot of interesting stuff and it just, it doesn't grab me the way that it did when I was a kid. I would follow the Marlins. I loved when they had West Coast games because they would stay, uh, come on at 1030 and I would listen to them on the radio until I fell asleep. Sometimes I would listen to the whole game to like one in the morning and those were wild days at school the next day. And <laughs> I cannot gumption up any of the caring that I once had. And yeah. it, 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 every season, it kind of makes me feel bad, but it just is what it is because so many people like yourself, Brian, in my age range 
have have a similar story. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. Like that was that was my game. That was my sport. You know, I played it. I watched it. I collected the baseball cards. But yeah, nowadays it's like mm, I'd rather watch something. <laughs> yeah, it's just a shrug. It's more exciting. Yeah. You know? yep. <laughs> so and Brian, um, where can we find you? Yeah, there we yep. go, Brian. <laughs> um, find me, Brian, B R A I J I N underscore C B. I usually don't have my own handle. Um, and Instagram, yep. And also, uh, email us as well. Um, conversations are better at gmail.com. I don't care if you said that, but um, Matt, our uh, one of our longtime listeners and also longtime responders of uh, of questions that we've had, um, actually answered the icebreaker question from last week, which was like, when has the sequel of something that was great been better? And he said Super Smash Brothers Brawl was better than Melee. I might disagree a little bit. But that that's maybe, a controversial I, take. Because I played <laughs> because I played melee so much and then I didn't have a Wii till like the very end of the Wii cycle. The Wii cycle. <laughs> and uh, and so like I didn't play Brawl as much. Um but um but yeah, like but th- it did have the uh the big single player um like story. The the what I, what I was story. gonna say is that I didn't play I played plenty of melee, I didn't play much of Brawl, but I did play Brawl with a Wii mote and a nunchuck mm-hmm. and i feel like maybe i would love brawl more if i played it with a gamecube controller like so many other people did yeah because <laughs> i did Definitely. not enjoy my uh experience playing yeah. that game with the wemo and the nunchuck also too because um i i also follow matt on instagram he has two adorable children that it's like it seems like it's a summertime tradition where they just it looks like they just hit brawl as a little family yeah so I'm wondering Aww. if there's also like some sentimental value exactly. that he's attached to, awesome. it, which is great because it, you're passing on the nerdiness to your children, and yeah. I fully um, endorse that and appreciate that. He's about five years younger than us too, and I, so I think maybe the way the way melee hit us like in our like prime, I think oh, right. hit him in the prime as well. So, so yeah. <laughs> Closer to Rich. Sorry, I'm so fucking tired. Is he closer to Richard's age? He might be a little bit younger than Richard. So. Richard's like a baby to me. Yeah. So you're a baby, Richard. Little baby, little baby Richard. Oh, my body's so creaky. <laughs> <laughs> old, old, old man, baby. Oh, that's weird. I know. Oh. <laughs> um. Well, for Richard and for Brian, I'm Carrie, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. Remember, comics deserve better, and everyone deserves comics. I'm sorry, I was so yawny during the episode. But thank you for listening, and uh, you guys stay safe out there. You're, Thanks. You're a Greek. Um, oh, oh, for God, fuck's sake. Yeah, don't make a stupid <laughs> fucking joke. Greek easy listening icon, Yanni. Congratulations. Oh, my God. He still said the fucking jokes. <laughs> Bye. That was, very, that was very bad, Brian. <laughs> yes, Bye. Bye. I even tried to stop myself. I know. I you didn't stop. Okay, God fine. damn it, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>